Arabian Society in the Middle Ages. Chapter 1. Religion in Myths and Legends Around the World. Collection 13. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The confession of the Muslim's faith is briefly made in these words. There is no deity but God. Muhammad is God's apostle which imply a belief and observance of everything that Muhammad taught to be the word or will of God. In the opinion of those who are commonly called orthodox and termed Sunnis, the Muhammadan code is founded upon the Quran, the traditions of the Prophet, the concordance of his principal early disciples, and the decisions which have been framed from analogy or comparison. The Sunnis consist of four sects. Hanafis, Shafiris, Malikis, and Hanbalis, so called after the names of their respective founders. The other sects, who are called Shiais, an appellation particularly given to the Persian sect, but also used to designate generally all who are not Sunnis, are regarded in the same in nearly the same light as those who do not profess al-Islam, the Muhammadan faith, that is, as destined to eternal punishment. The Muhammadan faith embraces the following points. Belief in God, who is without beginning or end, the sole creator and lord of the universe, having absolute power and knowledge and glory and perfection. Belief in his angels, who are impeccable beings, created of light and jinn, who are peccable, created of smokeless fire. The devils, whose chief is Iblis or Satan, are evil jinni. Belief in his prophets and apostles, the most distinguished of whom are Adam, Noah, Abraham, Moses, Jesus, and Muhammad. Jesus is held to be more excellent than any of those who preceded him to have been born of a virgin and to be the Messiah and the word of God and a spirit proceeding from him. But not partaking of his essence and not to be called the son of God, Muhammad is held to be more excellent than all, the last and greatest of prophets and apostles, the most excellent of the creatures of God. Belief in his scriptures, which are his uncreated word, revealed to his prophets. Of these there now exist, but held to be greatly corrupted. The Pentateuch of Moses, the Psalms of David, and the Gospels of Jesus Christ. And in an uncorrupted and incorruptible state, the Quran, which is held to have abrogated and to surpass in excellence all preceding revelations. Belief in the general resurrection and judgment and in future rewards and punishments, chiefly of a corporeal nature. The punishments will be eternal to all but wicked Muhammadans, and none but Muhammadans will enter into a state of happiness. Belief in God's predestination of all events, both good and evil. The belief in fate and destiny, al-Qadar wal-Qadar, exercises a most powerful influence upon the actions and character of the Muslims. Many hold that Faith is in some respects absolute and unchangeable, in others admitting of alteration, and almost all of them act in many of the affairs of life as if this were their belief. In the former case, it is called al-qada al-muhkam, in the latter, al-qada al-mubrab, which term, without the explanation here given, might be regarded as exactly synonymous with the former. Hence the prophet it is said, prayed to be preserved from the latter, as knowing that it might be changed. And in allusion to this in, in and in allusion to this changeable fate, we are told, God says, God will cancel what he pleaseth and confirm. 
while on the contrary, the faith, which is termed muhkam, is appointed destiny, decreed by God. Many doctors have argued that destiny respects only the final state of a certain portion of men, believers and unbelievers, and that, in general, man is endowed with free will, which he should exercise according to the laws of God and his own conscience and judgment, praying to God for a blessing on his endeavors, or imploring the intercession of the prophet or any of the saints in his favor, and propitiating um, them by offering alms or sacrifices in their names, relying upon God for the result which he may then and then only attribute to fate or destiny. They hold, therefore, that it is criminal to attempt resistance to the will when it dictates are conformable with the laws of God and our natural consciousnesses and prudence, and so passively to await the fulfillment of God's decrees. The doctrine of the Qur'an and the traditions respecting the decrees of God or fate and destiny appears, however, to be that they are although altogether absolute and unchangeable, written in the beginning of the creation on the preserved tablet in heaven, that God hath predestined every event and action, evil as well as good, at the same time commanding and approving good, and forbidding and hating evil, and that the cancelling mentioned in the preceding paragraph relates, as the context seems to show, to the abrogation of former scriptures or revelations, not of fate. But still, it must be held that he hath not predestined the will, though he sometimes inclines it to good, and the devil sometimes inclines it to evil. It is asked, then, if we have the power to will, but not the power to perform otherwise than as God hath predetermined, how can we be regarded as responsible beings? The answer to this is that our actions are judged good or evil according to our intentions. If we have faith, good actions, or intentions, it should be added only increase and do not cause our happiness if we are believers and evil actions or intentions only increase our misery if we are unbelievers or irreligious for the muslim holds that he is to be admitted into heaven only by the mercy of god on account of his faith and to be rewarded in proportion to his good works the prophet's assertions on the subject of god's decrees are considered of highest importance as explanatory of the quran Whatever is in the universe, said he, is by the order of God. God hath preordained five things on his servants, the duration of life, their actions, their dwelling places, their travels, and their portions. There is not one among you whose sitting place is not written by God, whether in the fire or in paradise. Some of the companions of the prophet, on hearing the last quoted saying, asked him, O prophet, since God hath appointed our places, may we confide in this and abandon our religious and moral duties. He answered, no, because the happy will do good works and those who are of miserable will do bad works. The following of his sayings further illustrate this subject. When God hath ordered a creature to die in any particular place, he causeth his wants to direct him to that place. A companion asked, O prophet of God, inform me respecting charms and the medicines which I swallow and shields which I make use of for protection, whether they prevent any of the orders of God. Muhammad answered, These also are by the order of God. There is a medicine for every pain. Then when the Muslim reaches the pain, it is cured by the order of God. When a Muslim therefore feels an inclination to make use of the medicine for the cure of a disease, he should do so in the hope of it being predestined that he shall, so, he shall be so cured. On the predestination of diseases, I find the following curious quotation and remark in a manuscript work by El Sayuti, 
who wrote in the 15th century in my possession. El Halimi says, communicable or contagious diseases are six smallpox, measles, itch or scab, foul breath or putridity, melancholy and pestilential maladies, and diseases engendered are also six leprosy, hectic, epilepsy, um, gout, elephantiasis, and flusius. But this does not contradict the saying of the prophet, there is no transition of diseases by contagion or infection, nor any omen that brings evil. For the transition here meant is one occasioned by the disease itself, whereas the effect is of God, who causes a pestilence to spread when there is intercourse with the diseased. A Bedawi asked the prophet, what is the condition of camels when stay in, which stay in the desert? Verily you might say they are dear in health and in cleanliness of skin. Then they mix with mangy camels, and they become mangy also. Muhammad said, what made the first camel mangy? Notwithstanding, however, the arguments which have been here adduced, and many others that might, have been, that might be added, declaring or implying the unchangeable nature of all of God's decrees, I, found, I have found it to be the opinion of my own Muslim friends that God may be induced by supplication to change certain of his decrees, at least those regarding decrees, degrees of happiness or misery in this world and the next, and that such as the general opinion appears from a form of prayer which is repeated in the mosques on the eve of the middle or 15th day of the month of Shaban, when it is believed that such portions of God's decrees are constitute as the destinies of all living creatures for the ensuing year are confirmed and fixed. In this prayer it is said, O God, if thou hast recorded me in thy abode upon the original of the book, the preserved tablet, miserable or fortunate or scanted in my sustenance, cancel, O God, of thy goodness, my misery and misfortune and scanty allowance of sustenance, and confirm me in thy abode upon the original of the book, as happy and provided for and directed to good, etc. The Arabs in general constantly have recourse both to charms and medicines, not only for the cure, but also for the prevention of diseases. They have indeed a strange passion for medicine, which shows that they do not consider fate as altogether unconditional. Nothing can exceed the earnestness with which they often press a European traveler for a dose, and the more violent the remedy, the better they are pleased. Um, the following case will serve as an example. Three donkey drivers conveying the luggage of two British travelers from Bulak to Cairo opened a bottle which they observed in a basket and finding it to contain, as they had suspected, brandy, emptied, in t emptied it down their throats. But he who had the last draught on turning up the bottle, got the tail of the scorpion into his mouth, and looking through the bottle to his great horror, saw that it contained a number of these reptiles with tarantulas, vipers, and beetles. Thinking that they had poisoned themselves, not liking to rely upon fate, they persuaded a man to come to me for medicine. He introduced the subject by saying, O oh, Effendi, do an act of kindness. There are three men poisoned. In your mercy, give them medicine and save their lives. And then he related the whole affair without concealing the theft. I answered that they did not deserve medicine, but he urged that by giving it, I should obtain an immense reward. Yes, said I, he who saveth a soul alive shall be as if he had saved the lives of all mankind. I said this to try um, the feeling of the applicants, who, expressing admiration of my knowledge, urged me to be quick, lest the men should uh, die, thus showing himself to be no unconditional fatalist. I gave him three strong doses of tartar emetic, and he soon came back to me to thank me. 
saying that the medicine was most admirable for the men had hardly swallowed it when they almost vomited their hearts and livers and everything else in their bodies. From a distrust in fate, some Muslims even shut themselves up during the prevalence of plague. But this practice is generally condemned. A Syrian friend of mine who did so nearly had his door broken uh, open by his neighbors. Another of my friends, one of the most distinguished of the ulama, uh, confessed to me his conviction of the lawfulness of quarantine and argued well in favor of it, but said that he dared not openly avow such an opinion. The apostle of God, said he, God favor and preserve him, have commanded that we should not enter a city where there is pestilence, nor go out from it. What, why did he say, enter it not? Because by, doing, by, by so doing, we should expose ourselves to the disease. Why did he say, go not out from it? Because by, doing, by so doing, we should carry the disease to others. The Prophet was tenderly considerate of our welfare, but the present Muslims in general are like bulls, brute beasts. And they hold the meaning of this command to be go not into a city where there is pestilence because this would be rashness and go not out from it because this would be distrusting God's power to save you from it. Many of the vulgar and ignorant among modern Muslims believe that the unchangeable destinies of every man are written upon his head in what are termed the sutures of the skull. The principal ritual and moral laws are on the following subjects of which the first four are the most important. Prayer, a salah including perpetuary purifications. There are partial or total washings to be performed on particularly particular occasions which need not be described. The ablution, which is more especially preparatory to prayer and which is called wudu, consists in washing the hands, mouth, nostril, face, arms, as high as the elbow, the right first, each three times, and then the upper part of the head, the beard, ears, neck, and feet, each once. This is done with running water or from a very large tank or from a lake or the sea. Prayers are required to be performed five times in the course of every day, between daybreak and sunrise, between noon and the asr, which latter period is about midtime between noon and nightfall, between the asr and the sunset, between sunset and daisha, or the period when darkness of night commences. And at or after the isha, the commencement of each of these periods is announced by a chant called adhan, repeated by a crier, the mu'adhan, from the Madina or Minarat of each mosque, and it is more um, meritorious to commence the prayer than, uh, than at a later time. On each of these occasions, the Muslim has to perform certain prayers held to be ordained by God and others ordained by the Prophet, each consisting of two, three, or four rakahs, which term signifies the repetition of a set of form of words, chiefly from the Qur'an, and ejaculations of God is most great, etc., accompanied by particular postures, parts of the words being repeated in an erect posture, part sitting and part in other postures, an inclination of the head and body, followed by two prostrations, distinguishing each rakah. The prayers... Um, may in some cases be abridged and in others entirely omitted. Other prayers must be performed on particular occasions. On Friday, Muhammad and Sabbath, um, there are congressional, um, congregational prayers, which are similar to those of other days, which additional prayers and exhortations by a minister who is called Imam or Khatib, the salam or salutation of Friday, a form of blessing on the Prophet and his family and companions is chanted by the Mu'addinin, of um, from the medinas of the congressional mosques half an hour before noon 
The worshippers begin, begin to assemble in the mosque as soon as they hear it, and arranging themselves in rows parallel to and facing that side, in which is the niche that marks the um, direction of Mecca. Each performs by himself the prayers of two rakas, which are supererogatory, and then sits in his place while a reader recites part or the whole of the 18th chapter of the Quran. As the call of noon, they all stand up and each again performs separately the prayers of two rakas ordained by the Prophet. A minister standing at the foot of the pulpit stairs then proposes to bless the Prophet, and accordingly, a second salam is chanted by uh, one or more of the ministers stationed at an elevated platform. After this, the former minister and the latter um, after repeats after him repeat the call of noon, which the Mu'addinin have before chanted from the Medinas, and the former enjoys his silence. The khatib has already seated himself on the top step or platform of the pulpit. He now rises and recites a khutbah of praise to God and exhortions um, to the congregation. And if in a country or a town acquired by arms from unbelievers, he holds a wooden sword resting its point on the ground. Each of the congregation next offers up some private supplication, after which the khatib recites a second khutbah. Um, which is always the same, or nearly so, in part resembling the first, but chiefly a prayer for the Prophet and his family and for the general welfare of the Muslims. This finished, the Khatib descends from the pulpit and stationed before the niche after a form of words differing slightly from the call to prayer has been chanted by the ministers on the elevated platform before mentioned, recites the divinely ordained prayers of Friday to Rakaz while the people do the same silently, keeping time with him exactly in the various postures. Thus are completed the Friday prayers, but some of the congregation remain and perform the ordinarily divinely ordained prayers of noon. Other occasions for special prayer are the two grand annual festivals, the nights of Ramadan, um, the month of abstinence, the occasion of an eclipse of the sun or moon for rain, previously to the commencement of battle in pilgrimage and at funerals, to almsgiving, um, an alms called zakat, is required by law to be given annually to the poor of camels, oxen, bulls, and cows, and buffaloes, sheep and goats, horses and mules and asses, and gold and silver, whether in money or in vessels, ornaments, etc., provided the property be of a certain amount, as five camels, thirty oxen, forty sheep, five horses, two hundred dirhams, or twenty dinars. Um, the proportion is generally one fortieth, which is to be paid in kind or in money or other equivalent. Fasting, asiyam, the Muslim must abstain from eating and drinking and from every indulgence of the senses every day during the month of Ramadan, from the first appearance of daybreak until sunset, unless physically incapacitated. On the first day of the following month, a festival called the Minor Festival is observed with public prayer and with general rejoicing, which continues three days. Pilgrimage, Al-Hajj. It is incumbent on the Muslim, if able, to perform at least once in his life the pilgrimage to Mecca and Mount Arafat. The principal ceremonies of the pilgrimage are completed on the ninth month of Dhul-Hijjah. On the following day, which is the first of the great festival, on the return of Arafat to Mecca, the pilgrims who are able to do so perform a sacrifice, and every other Muslim who can is required to do the same. Part of the meat of the victim he should eat, and the rest he should give to the poor. The festival is otherwise observed in a similar manner to the minor one above mentioned and lasts three or four days. The less important ritual and moral laws may be briefly mentioned. 
Um, one of these is circumcision, which is not absolutely obligatory. The distinctions of clean and unclean mates are nearly the same as in Mohammedan as in the Mosaic Code. Camel's flesh is an exception, being lawful to the Muslim swine's flesh and blood are especially condemned, and a particular mode of slaughtering animals for food is enjoined, accompanied by the repetition of the name of God. Wine and all inebriating liquors are strictly forbidden, so too is gaming. Music is condemned, but most Muslims take great delight in hearing it. Images and pictures representing living creatures are contrary to law. Charity, probity in all transactions, veracity, excepting um, in a few cases, and modesty are virtues indispensable. Cleanliness in person and decent attire are particularly required. Clothes of silk and ornaments of gold and silver are forbidden to men but allowed to women. This precept, however, is often disregarded. Utensils of gold and silver are also condemned, yet they are used by many Muslims. The manners of many, the manners of Muslims in society are subject to particular rules with respect to salutations, etc. Of the civil laws, the following notices will suffice. A man may have four wives at the same time, and according to common opinion, as many concubine slaves as he pleases. He may divorce a wife twice and each time take her back again. But if he divorces her a third time or by a triple sentence, he cannot make her his wife again unless by her own consent and by a new contract. And after another man has consummated a marriage with her and divorced her. The children of a wife... Um, by a wife and those by a concubine slave inherit equally if the latter be acknowledged by the father sons inherit equally and so do daughters but the share of a wife is half of that of a son one eighth is the share of the wife or the wives of the deceased if he have left issue and one fourth if he have left no issue a husband inherits one-fourth of his wife's property, and if she have left issue, and one-half if she have left no issue. The debts and legacies of the deceased must first be paid. A man may leave one-third, but no more, of his property in any way he pleases. When a concubine slave has borne a child to her master, she becomes entitled to her freedom on his death. There are particular laws relating to commerce. Usury and monopoly are especially condemned. Of the criminal laws, a few may be briefly mentioned. Murder is punishable by death or a fine to be paid by to the family of the deceased if they prefer it. Theft of the property stolen amounts to a quarter of a dinar is to be punished by cutting off the right hand except under certain circumstances. Adultery, if attested by four eyewitnesses, is punishable by death, stoning, fornication by a hundred stripes, and banishment for a year. Drunkenness is punished with eighty stripes, apostasy preserved in by death. The Qur'an ordains that murder shall be punished with death, or rather that the free shall die for the free, the slave for the slave, and the woman for the woman, or that the perpetrator of the, for, of the crime shall pay to the heirs of the person whom he has killed if they will allow it a fine, which is to be divided according to the laws of inheritance already explained. It also ordains that unintentional homicide shall be expiated um, by freeing a believer from slavery and paying a fine to the family of the person killed unless they remit it. But these laws are amplified and explained by the same book and by the imams. A fine is not to be accepted for murder unless the, unless the crime has been attended by some palliating circumstance. This fine about the price of blood is a hundred camels or a thousand dinars um, from him who possesses gold or from him who possesses silver, twelve thousand dirhams. This is for killing a free man, for a woman half that sum, for a slave his or her value, but this must fall short of the price of blood for the free. A person unable to free a believer must fast two months as in Ramadan. 
The accomplices of a murder are liable to the punishment of death by the sunnah or the traditions of a prophet. Also, a man is obnoxious to capital punishment for the murder of a woman and by the Hanafi law for the murder of his of another man's slave. But he is exempted from this punishment who kills his own child or other descendant or his own slave or his son's slave or a slave of whom he is part owner or also um so are also his accomplices. Um, and according to a Shafi'i, a Muslim, um, though a slave is not to be put to death for killing an infidel, though the latter um, be free, um, a man who kills another in self-defense or to defend his property from a robber is exempt from all punishment. The price of blood is the debt incumbent on the family, tribe, or association of which the homicide is a member. It also um, it is also incumbent on the inhabitants of an enclosed quarter or the proprietor or proprietors of a field in which the body of a person killed by an unknown hand is found, unless the person has been found killed in his own house. Retaliation for intentional wounds and mutilations is allowed by the Muhammadan law, like as for murder, an eye for an eye, etc. But a fine may be accepted instead, which is which the law allows for un, also for unintentional injuries. The fine for a member that is single, as the nose, is the price, the whole price of blood. And as for homicide, for a member of which that there are two and not more, as a hand, half the price of blood. For one of which there are ten, a finger or a toe, a tenth of the price of blood. But the fine of a man for maiming or wounding a woman is half of that for the same injury to a man. And that of a free person for injuring a slave varies according to the value of the slave. The fine for depriving a man of any of his five senses or dangerously wounding him or grievously disfiguring him for life is the whole price of blood. The Muhammadan law ordains that a person who is adult and of sound mind, if he steals an article of the value of a quarter of a dinar or a piece of gold from a place to which he has not ordinary or free access, shall lose his right hand. But this punishment is not to be inflicted for stealing a free child or anything um, which in the eye of Allah is of no pecuniary value, as wine or a musical instrument, and there are some other cases in which the thief is not to be so punished. For the second offense, the left foot is to be cut off, and for the third and subsequent offenses, according to the Hanafi Code, the culprit is to be punished by a long imprisonment, or the Shafari law, for the third offense he is to lose his left hand, and for the fourth his right foot. And for, no, and for further offenses, he is to be flogged or beaten. The punishment is the same for a woman as for a man. This law induced a free-thinking Muslim to ask if the hand is worth 500 dinars, this being the fine for depriving a man of that member. Why should it be cut off for a quarter of a dinar? He was answered, an honest hand is of great value, but not so is the hand that hath stolen. Amputation for theft, however, is now seldom practiced. Beating or some other punishment is usually inflicted in its stead um, for the first, second, and third offense, and frequently death for the fourth. The Muslims observe two grand aids or festivals every year. The first of these is immediately follows Ramadan, the month of abstinence, and lasts three days. It is called the Minor Festival. The other, which is called the Great Festival, commences on the 10th of the Hijjah, the day when the pilgrims, halting in their valley of Mina, um, on their return from Mount Arafat to Mecca, perform their sacrifice. The observance of this festival also continues three days or four. Early in the first morning on each of these festivals, the Muslim is required to perform a lustration of his whole person, as on the mornings of Friday 
and on the first morning of the minor festival, he should break his fast with a few dates and some other light food. Um, but on the great festival, he abstains from food until he has acquitted himself of the religious duties now to be mentioned. Soon after sunrise, on the first day of each festival, the men dressed in new or in their best clothes repair to the mosque or to a particular place appointed for their performance of the prayers of the Eid. Um, going thither, um, they, should be re they should repeat frequently, God is most great on the minor festival inaudibly and on the other loud. The congregation having assembled to repeat the prayers of two rakas, after which the khatib recites a khutbah, i.e. an exhortation and a prayer. Um, on each of these festivals in the mosque or the place of prayer and in the street at each other's houses, friends congratulate and embrace each other, generally paying visits for this purpose. And the great receive... Um, and the great receive visits from their dependents. Um, the young on these occasions kiss the right hands of the aged, and servants or dependents do the same to their masters or superiors, unless the latter be of high rank, in which they kiss the ends of the hanging sleeves or the shirt of the outer garment. Most of the shops are closed, excepting those at which eatables and sweet drinks are sold, um, but the streets um, are filled with people in their holiday clothes. On the minor festival, which, as it terminates an arduous fast, is celebrated with more rejoicing than the other, servants and other dependents receive presents of new articles of clothing from their masters or patrons, and the servant receives presents of small sums of money from his master's friends, whom, if they do not visit his master, he goes to congratulate, as well as from any former master to whom he often takes a plate full of cacks. These are sweet cakes or biscuits of an annular form um, composed of flour and butter with a little ajimiya, a thick paste consisting of butter, honey, a little flour, and some spices inside. They are, also, they are also often sent as presents on this occasion by other people. Another custom required of the faithful on this festival is the giving of alms. On the great festival, after the prayers of, that, of the congregation, everyone who can afford it performs with his own hand or by that of a deputy, a sacrifice of the ram, um, he goat, cow or buffalo, or she camel, part of the meat of which he eats, and part he gives to the poor or to his friends or dependents. The ram or goat should be at least one year old, the cow or buffalo two years, and the camel five years, and none should have considerable mutilation or infirmity. A cow or buffalo or a camel is a sufficient sacrifice for seven persons. The clothes which were put on new at a formal festival are generally worn on this occasion, and the presents which are given to servants and others are usually worn somewhat less. On each of the two festivals, it is also customary, especially with the women, to visit the tombs of relations. The, par the party generally takes with them a palm branch and place it broken in several pieces or merely its leaves upon the tomb or the monument or some, instead of this, place sweet basil or other flowers. They also usually provide themselves with sweet cakes, bread, dates, um, or some other kind of food to distribute to the poor. But their first duty on arriving at the tomb is to recite the Fatiha, the opening chapter of the Quran, or to employ a person to recite previously a longer chapter, generally the 36th Surah Yasin, or even the whole of the book. Sometimes the visitors recite the Fatiha, and after having hired a person to perform a longer recitation, go away before he commences. The women often stay all the days of the festivals in their cemeteries, either in tents or in houses of their own, erected 
there for their reception on these and other occasions. The tent of each party surrounds the tomb, which is the object of their visit. In the outskirts of the cemetery, swings and whirlwigs um, are set up, and storytellers, jugglers, and dancers amuse the populace. End of Arabian Society in the Middle Ages, Chapter 1, Religion, in Myths and Legends Around the World, Collection 13.